Hi Brickies, I'm Dominic, the last one standing with a kink for cannibalism. And I'm Kate, the resident phobia expert who also hears voices. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about stuff that scares us. Ripping a few laughs and survival tips along the way. As always, please subscribe, rate and review us. And don't forget to follow us on the socials at Shit and Bricks Podcast. Like the morning after a night on the curries and cans, here it comes. So drop your dax, pop a squat and let's get into it. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello, my name is Frank Walker from National, National Cars. <laughs> it's Franco Conzo. Franco Conzo. Grandsire, grandsire, grandsire. <laughs> Hi, Kate. Hi, Dominic. How do you do? Oh, I do. I do do. I do very good. Thank you very you much. Do? That is great. How do you do do? I do good too. <laughs> I do do good too too. <laughs> You've got a dinner tonight. Are you going somewhere nice? Are you going out somewhere? Talk to me. Are you having it at someone's home? What are you doing? I'm just heading over to Glen and Rickers, so it's nothing Maybe. fancy. But, um... no, but that's lovely. Yeah, I'm excited. So, Beauty. yeah. Um, have you been? How's work? How's every? How's life? Yeah, life is grand. Work is good. I'm getting used to driving a little bit further, and I've yeah, I've been listening <laughs> to lots of po- yeah, driving further. Dom's laughing because where I was previously working, it would take me. So if I got the one traffic light between my home and my work, it would take me maybe four minutes. Um, but if I didn't, get, if I got the green light. Um, it would be about two two minutes to work. So I've definitely extended that a little and I'm driving about a 90-minute round trip. So, you know, sort of 35, 40 in the morning and about 45 at night to get home. However, I have been listening to and I've fallen deeply in love with Mark Maron. Um, yeah. Some people, if you've seen Glow, he is the one of the main – he's the main guy in Glow – um, he just does exquisite stuff and his podcast, he interviews celebrities and it's just the way he, his interview techniques and stuff are amazing. So I love listening to his voice um, and, you know, we're meant to be. So I can't wait to meet him and let him know. Uh, <laughs> When's the wedding? Yeah. And how pregnant? How far along are you? <laughs> it's twins. Which twins? Yay. Um, but yeah, but otherwise it's going really well. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. It's Every day goes really quickly, which is nice because then it's just one day closer to some more holidays for me. So I'm happy. <laughs> Last week it was retirement. This yeah. week we've just, <laughs> we've just holidays. Just I'm holidays. downgraded, downgraded <laughs> to holidays. I actually have a question and I'd like to ask our listeners. Uh, I've got, I'm going to take a little bit of time off at the end of the year to travel. So I'm going to take about four weeks off-ish. Um, pending approval from my boss uh but i had planned to go to canada however japan is niggling in the back of my mind i really like the idea of going to japan i've never been to any asian countries before i have never um yeah never been to to japan or any of the other countries around there so i i'm thinking maybe japan mm. so let i'm i'm going to put a poll up on our on our insta should i go to canada or japan let me know I highly recommend doing that yeah how are you Dom what's news still unemployed congrats um, wait is I, that the appropriate response yeah look I'm still <laughs> applying for jobs it's fine um yeah. but I'm not rushing rushing I'm trying this new thing where I actually treat myself to little things that I normally would be like, no, 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 you can't do that you're saving for this 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 so I, I bought myself some new underwear Congratulations. I some new sh- T-shirts and shirts. Nice. Um, Are you wearing one right now? It's a very fancy shirt. I like that one. I am. And nice. even got the brand new microphone, which I'm really excited about because I think this is the official first time that we're using both of our new setups with our we new are. recording setup. So we should sound right. like so profesh. And if you're watching this any digital version, my camera is also better. I don't look like I'm sitting in a, a blacked out dungeon. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Look how but now you I've look. realized I've just realized that I'm like my hair's got more detail. I've got to be careful. My eyeballs, but yeah. So I'm just I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> you look great. Thank you. 
All right, let's do some what? Housekeeping. 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 You know it's my favourite. And you know the drill, folks. Um, As always, please go check out all of our social channels, Instagram, TikTok. We're doing so many more funny reels and jokes and things these days, so you should go check that out. It's shitten.bricks.podcast on every channel. Easy to find. Yeah. Just try, type in shitten and you'll find us. Yeah. We're the top okay. shit. Yeah. We are the top <laughs> shit. Bang. <laughs> um, and while you're at it, go check out our Patreon. It's also shitten.bricks.podcast. It's just a couple bucks a month. It helps Kate and I keep the lights on and do all of our fun, fancy things. Become one of our patrons. You get lots of free shit. Um, so go check that one out. And... Last but not least, I forgot this last week, Kate, so bad me. But remember, this year is our year of rating and reviewing our podcast. So Yes, please. You've only got like 40 more minutes, folks. You're probably your second traffic light on the way to work or you've just (laughs) done the second block walking with the dogs. Whatever it is, at the end of this, it's in whatever... uh, streaming service that you use just give us the five stars that we totes deserve and that would be really really helpful let's do that i love it so without further ado i'm one minute over exactly now perfect but this week kate you've got a story for us don't you i certainly do dom i sure do and i want to start with as i usually do we're going to talk about a phobia Yes. So today's phobia is agripyrophobia. 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 There it is. Can I so, have a go spelling it? <laughs> absolutely you can. Hit me. A-G-R-I-P-Y-Y-S-R-A- Oh, <laughs> is it ooh or ah? It's ooh, it's ooh. ooh. <laughs> I got close. You were so close. So, yes, it is um, from the Greek words agri and pyro. So that means field, so agri, agricultural, um, means field, forest, you know, area, but field, and pyro meaning fire. And it is specifically the fear of wildfires. It mm. is a form of pyrophobia. However, pyrophobia is the opposite, and that is the, you know, um, more familiar, it's kind of associated with pyromania, which you would yep. know is, in fact, the the desire, the need, the uh, addiction to start fires and watch them burn, no matter how small or large they may be. So I, believe it or not, I'm going to be talking about some wildfires today. Could you guess? I think that was definitely on the books. From It was on the cards. Yeah. From what I, I mean, and I did tell our listeners last week that's what I'd be talking about. <laughs> so spoiler alert. Let me start off with, I always love a list. Here's a bit of a list for you. I went on to earth.org and I found a list of the top 12 largest wildfires in history. Now, oh I did God. a little bit of fact checking on a couple of these. And to be honest, the numbers are a little bit off in terms of either Um, you know, fatalities during that or houses lost or things like that. I'm just going to read that direct from the earth.org, but I'll get into some more detail about them a little bit later. Before I read my list, I'm thrilled to announce that I found a website that also compares sizes of things to things that you might be more familiar with to put it in context. (laughs) And I cannot, I was so thrilled. So I went to campusmarts.com forward slash how big is one acre of land and I got some really great examples here's two of them for our American (laughs) listeners or for those of you that are familiar with American football an acre of land is 76 percent of an American football field including the end zones okay so it's about three quarters of an American football field is that a fire truck in the background? I know. There's like, there's a fire. There's a wildfire. That's the timing. The lake so, has caught fire again. <laughs> I'm very hairy for those that can't tell. <laughs> Your hair suit. Uh, so 76% of an American football field. So three quarters of that is an acre. 
Or if you're more of a tennis fan, if you recently watched the Australian Open, we're very lucky to have that here in Melbourne. One acre of land can fit 15 tennis courts. Ooh. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, if you're a sport fan, if you're not a sport fan, you might be plum out of luck. But those are the two that I found that I thought were, you know, you could kind of put that in your mind. So keeping that in your mind, number 12 on my list is the 1989 Manitoba wildfires in Canada. They burned 1.3 million acres of land. So 15 tennis courts fit into one acre. That's a shitload of tennis courts in (laughs) 1.3 million acres, okay? That's my uh, official measurement. It's a shitload, all right? 20 million-ish tennis courts. Correct. So a little bit about the Manitoba fires. Between mid-May and early August 1989, a total of 1,147 fires, the highest number ever recorded, broke in Manitoba, a Canadian province home to an immense variety of landscapes. Uh, There's, you know, pretty much every landscape you could consider. The record-breaking fires burned nearly 1.3 million acres of land, And they resulted in the evacuation of 25,000 people from 32 different communities. The cost to suppress the fires amounted to US $52 million. I'm not sure why they did that in US dollars, but okay. And wildfires during the summer months are nothing new in Manitoba. Uh, The number of fires occurring in 1989 was nearly four and a half times higher than the 20-year average. Uh, While May's blazes were mostly attributed to human action, most of July's fires were caused by intense lightning activities. So that's our Manitoba. Number 11 on my list, 2011 Richardson Back County fire, also in Canada. This burned 1.7 million acres. So the Richardson Back Back County, uh, Back Country fire broke out May 2011 in the Canadian province of Alberta. It was the largest fire since the 1950 Chinchaga fire. The blaze burned nearly 1.7 million acres of forest and it resulted in lots of evacuations and shutdowns. Number 10 on my list. Just going to zip through this because I have another story after. But the 1987 Black Dragon fire in China and Russia burned 2.5 million acres. So we're going up in terms of yeah. <laughs> acres in case you can, in case you hadn't caught on just yet. Uh, but the Black Dragon Fire of 1987 may have been the largest single fire in the world in the past several hundred years, as well as one of the deadliest forest fires in the People's Republic of China. It burned incessantly for over a month. So it just Jeez. kept burning for over a month, destroying approximately 2.5 million acres uh, of land. 18 million of those were forest. Number nine on my list is the 1910 Great Fire of Connecticut in the United States, Marpa. <laughs> this one burned 3 million acres. So we're taking it, we're jumping up here. This was also called the Big Burn, the Big Blow Up, or the Devil's Broom Fire. This wildfire roared <laughs> through the states of Idaho. I like the Devil's Broom. <laughs> no, Devil's I wouldn't. Bro- what a cocktail called that. Yeah. Oh, we could make one. Let's do that. Uh, so this burned through the states of Idaho and Montana during the summer months of 1910. It burned for just two days. Okay. So this is 3 million acres in two days, whereas the pri- previous one was 2.5 million acres in a month. Not fucking about in Connecticut. Uh, nah, they were, they were going for it. Um, So strong winds caused an initial fire to combine with lots of smaller fires and it just went bananas. Number eight on my list is the 2010 Bolivia forest fires in South America. We're going global with this list. This fire in 2010 burned 3.7 million acres. That's a lot. That's a heck of a lot of tennis courts. Mm. In 2010, more than 25,000 fires burned across Bolivia covering an area of approximately 3.7 million acres and damaging uh, especially the country's section of the Amazon. The thick smoke that resulted from them forced the government to halt numerous flights and declare a state of emergency. Number seven on my list, the 1950 Chinchaga fire. Mentioned it earlier, but this one in Canada burned 4.2 million acres. 
also known as the Wisp Fire and Fire 19, the Chinchaga Forest Fire burned in northern British Columbia and Alberta from June until the early fall of 1950. It went down in history as one of the largest recorded fires in North American history, burning approximately 4.2 million acres. That's so many acres. All right, we're number six. We are halfway through our list and we're up to the Great Fire of 1919, also in Canada. This one burned. Do you want to guess, Dom? Our last was 4.2 million. What do we think the Great Fire of 1919 in Canada burned? 4.7 or 5.2? 5 million. You were very close. <laughs> despite, despite happening more than a century ago, the Great Fire of 1919 is still remembered as one of the largest and most devastating wildfires in history. In early May of that year, a complex of many fires swept through the forests of Canada in both Alberta and Saskatchewan. Uh, the wood that I had been that cut, word. Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. Mm. Uh, same, it's a beautiful word. The wood that had been cut for the timber industry combined with strong dry winds contributed to the quick burning flames that within just a few days ravaged about 5 million acres. You'd feel bad if you're like, I definitely left that wood out there for too long. I was supposed to pick <laughs> it up on Tuesday. I was busy. I had to get my hair done and I couldn't pick up that timber that day. My bad. That's a lot of land. It is. Also in the 5 million acres club is number five on our list, the 1939 Black Friday bushfires. That was here in Australia, in specifically Victoria, the state which we live. The Black Friday fires have gone down in history uh, and they those bushfires destroyed more than 5 million acres in Victoria. They were the culmination of several years of drought, followed by high temperatures and strong winds. The fires covered over three quarters of the state's area and resulted in 71 casualties, making it the third most deadly bushfire in Australia's history. That's a record that I don't love that we hold, but okay. Um, Despite going on for several days, uh, on January 13th, temperatures reached 44.7 degrees in the capital of Melbourne. That's horrendously hot in Fahrenheit. That's like up nearly like 110, 120 degrees. I think. I remember it. Mm. Yeah. And in Mildura, which is in the Northwest, so that's very dry um, farming country. It reached, it reached 47.2 degrees Celsius. So that was a hot day. Um, and the combination, cook an egg. Of the droughts, the wind, Ooh, you could cook an egg. No, no worries. Number four on our list, the 2004 Alaska fire season. So it's not even just like a day, it's a season. Gosh. Uh, Canada is repping on this list. I know. This is in the US though. It says US. But does, wait, Alaska's in the US? Yeah. Yeah, Alaska's the US, but I just mean like like, that area. Absolutely, that whole area. Now this fire season burned 6.6 million acres. Jesus. So uh, this fire season in Alaska was the worst on record in the history of the U.S. state of Alaska in terms of area burned. So 6.6 million acres uh, were burned by 701 fires. My question is, how do you count fires? Is it satellite imagery? Yeah, I guess so. I guess they can probably do it. It's just whether they're connected or not. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So 215 of these fires were started by lightning strikes and the other 426 were started by humans. Now, I'm going to go into this in more detail, but just really quickly, if you're starting fires, you're one of the worst of the worst, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. That's just my blanket statement on that. Number three on our list is we have the 2014 Northwest Territory fires. We've gone back to Canada. Do you want to guess how many acres this was, Dom? So we've gone from 6.6. What do 7. we reckon? 7.3. So close. It was 8.5. Uh, so... <laughs> I'm not good with numbers. That's No, you're doing really well. It's such an arbitrary. It could be anything. Uh, so 8.5 million acres in the North, Northwest Territory fires. In the summer of 2014, over 150 separate fires broke out across the Northwest Territories of an area um, of about 442 square miles, 
and then they just burned. The, the forests got completely destroyed. The firefighters' operations cost the government a staggering $44.4 million US. <sighs> so it's just the, uh, the, every element of it just sucks. It's awful. All right, number two on my list. This is the 2019-2020 Australian bushfires. So, Dom, we have gone and you were here for those. That was recent. Uh, you have gone from 8.5 million acres mm. for our number three on the list. Where do you think the ballpark sits with the Australian bushfires? 12.4. Higher. 16.1. 42 million acres. Holy Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So we've jumped up a bit. These ones, the next two, these are the clear leaders in terms of sheer area that was burned. <laughs> now, the 2020 Australian bushfires went down in history for their catastrophic impact on wildlife. Heartbreaking. Awful. The extreme, extreme bushfires tore through New South Wales and Queensland and they burned 42 million acres, um, which was just horrendous. Uh, this impacted 3 billion animals, including 61,000 koalas, our yeah. baby little koalas, our little chlamydia doped-out furry bears. There's nothing oh. wrong with having chlamydia. I've, I've, no, I've dabbled I'm... with chlamydia. No, I'm <laughs> I've dabbled with a bit of... <laughs> That's her, that's like sixty one thousand koalas. I that's just yeah, that's mine. Yeah, like, we're still feeling now, it today. Like oh, the, without the a koala doubt. population is not in a good place. Yeah. Now data released so with this these Australian fires, data released by the climate monitoring body show Australia's mean temperature in two thousand and nineteen was one point five two degrees higher than average, making it the warmest year on record since nineteen ten. January in 2019 was the more, warmest month Australia had ever recorded and rainfall was 40% below average. So it's just a, yeah, it's a, it's a combination for disaster, that's for sure. I'm just Num doing some quick sums, Kate. Quick maths. Th that bushfire was larger than the entire state of Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. My God. There you it's go. That puts it into into yeah. um, context a little, I guess. It's anyway. difficult to fathom. All right. Do you want to hear about number one on our list? Absolutely. It is the 2003 Siberian tiger fires in Russia. These fires burned 55 million acres of land. Oh, that's almost the size of Arizona. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> I like that. I like that you had that just ready to go too. <laughs> Now, a combination of extremely arid conditions and increased human exploitation during recent decades, hint human beings, human exploitation is a part of this, they're believed to have played a role in what is remembered as one of the most devastating and largest wildfires in human history. The fires spread across Siberia and the Russian Far East, northern China, northern Mongolia, and a plume of smoke that reached Kyoto thousands of miles away. Emissions from the Siberian tiger fires can be compared to the emission cuts promised by the European Union under the Kyoto mm. Protocol, and their effects can still be present, uh, can still still be seen in present day environmental studies on ozone depletion. Wow! Yeah, <coughs> that was a big fire. <laughs> All right, so that is our that was a top twelve list of fires that I found. But there was one specifically that I wanted to focus on a little bit more. And there's obviously from that list, there are wildfires, devastating wildfires that happen all over the world. But the one I'm going to talk to you a little bit about today and just the sheer horror of wildfires in general uh, is the Black Saturday bushfires that happened here in Australia. So, the Black Saturday bushfires were the worst in Australia's history, killing 173 people. Almost 80 communities and entire towns were left completely unrecognisable. The fires burned more than 2,000 properties and 61 businesses. Over 430,000 hectares burned, 
including 70 national parks and reserves and more than 3,550 agricultural facilities. The Black Saturday fires were the subject of the 2009 Victorian Bushfires Royal Commission. So there was a lot to unpack with these fires and they were just horrendous. I found a really interesting article. It was on the BBC and it is some interviews with uh, people, so talking about their experiences on this day. It goes into the detail of what they went through, which I just found I just found horrendous. Um, but I just wanted to give that as a little proviso. Um, it can get a little bit emotional and it can be quite, it can be a little bit confronting, I suppose. Before I delve yeah. into that, yeah, it's just one of those, those things. I just thought I'd give a little, little proviso. I can remember where I was on both Black Friday and Black Saturday and it feels very real. And this particular one is super raw because, yeah. yeah. I can explain later if you've got time. Yeah, for sure. No, I would like to like to hear. One of the things I wanted to share with our listeners, I had a little bit of a look into um, emergency law and evacuation procedures and forced evacuation. Mm. Now, there's different laws in all of the states of Australia and no doubt different laws in all of the countries of the world. But one of the websites I found is about Australian emergency law So it's a website that is discussion on the law that applies to or affects Australia's emergency services and emergency management. And there is a person by the name of Michael Eburn, uh, and he's an Australian lawyer. So people submit questions to him and then he responds to them on his website. So this is what I found, which I didn't know. So I thought, I mean, I'm going to share this with our listeners. They may not know as well. So mandatory evacuations. One of the questions that Michael Eben was asked is, it is my understanding that not all states have mandatory or enforceable evacuation orders, including Victoria, which has recommended lawn residents to leave. Happy to be corrected here. Who can order it under what circumstances? Now, I picked that up because, Dom, you lived in lawn for a while. Is that right? I did, and I was in lawn the day of this fire. Yep. So this specifically related to that, and I thought I'm going to put that in there because, yeah, I mean, Dom was affected by that. I I knew that he was there. I wasn't sure of the dates or times. That's fascinating. I will get back to you on that. Uh, But Michael Eben responded to this question and explained, I'm not going to go chapter and verse into all states um, for a discussion that might be, you know, a little bit out of my my wheelhouse, but there is another specific document that he refers to. It's got a very long title. Um, Now, he says that the reality is that every state has some provision where an officer in charge or the state emergency manager, whatever title they are, Mm. can order, in inverted commas, an evacuation and usually can accompany that with a threat of force. As noted, the circumstances will differ with each jurisdiction. The biggest exemption in Victoria, where it is still the case that a person who has pecuniary pecuniary interests, I find that word difficult, uh, in a property cannot be compelled to evacuate. So if you have a financial interest in the property, you cannot be forced to evacuate your home. So that's just want to make that clear. When I go through and read through the stories that these people talk about on that day, and maybe people will be sitting there going, why didn't they evacuate when they were told to? Or why didn't they, you know, get out? Or why didn't someone go and get them? It's, you know, the reality is nobody is really going to enforce these evacuation orders. The resources that it would take to actually force someone out of danger, um, it puts other people at risk. So the police yeah. or the, the CFA, um, you know, the, the SES, you know, everybody, and it would be way too much. So essentially you can put an evacuation order in place, but you can't enforce it. You can't drag someone out of their house if they're choosing to stay there and fight for their property. Yep. Black Saturday, period, period. Okay, let me read this article for you all because I want to, yeah, share a little bit about this story, which I found compelling and heartbreaking in all of the things. So this is an article from the BBC News on the 6th uh, of February in 2019. Ten years ago, Australia experienced its worst ever bushfire disaster when 173 people died across the state of Victoria. 
Immediately branded as one of the darkest days in Australia's peacetime history, Black Saturday has left a profound legacy. It was like the gates of hell. There's no other way to describe it. For Tony Thomas, 7th of February 2009 began as just another ordinary day. It had been a summer of record-breaking temperatures, prompting days of safety warnings. But Mr Thomas wasn't overly concerned. They had had scorching days like this before. In the lush, peaceful hills on the outskirts of tiny Marysville, about 90 kilometres northeast of Melbourne, he and his wife Penny had carved out a fruitful life running a bed and breakfast on a 60-acre property. His in-laws had arrived for a birthday lunch that day. It was a pleasant gathering despite the suffocating heat. But in the late afternoon, they spotted smoke in the west. Going for a closer look, they then saw fire. It came out of the forest behind us on the other side, about 100 kilometres away. It just roared towards us, Mr Thomas tells the BBC. At 6.45pm, the fire hit, and pretty hard, said Mr Thomas. Now, Mr Thomas's family and the B&B guests ran for shelter in the house as he, his brother-in-law and an employee battled the fire. It was effectively three men with buckets and garden hoses against a roaring wind-whipped blaze. That picture, to me, is, that's horrendous. That's so scary. And when we mm. talk about doing scary stories, some of the descriptions of what people were looking at in this, this scares the shit out of me. There's nothing you can do. It's, yeah. You may remember it was maybe three or four years ago, some footage came out of another fire in Australia and it was very bad quality CCTV footage of out the front of someone's property and there were like SES workers trying to evacuate or get like move a car or something and it was like beautiful, pristine, no smoke, no nothing. And then within 20 seconds, Mm -hmm. all the people, all the cars had just vanished and you saw this fire come across. Sorry if I'm totally ruining your story, Kate. Not at all. You may mention it in a second. But you see the fire and you see it roar across this property in this street and it's like an atomic bomb goes off. It's And it happened like that and that footage I will never leave my mind so that's what I picture in when you were describing that scenario exactly right so you know just to recap on that too his family and friends have come over in the afternoon so let's call that one o'clock two o'clock you know they have some lunch everything like that um and then they have a look out and they can see some smoke 100 kilometers away and then they're like oh there's fire for sure 6 45 so it's a couple of hours there's not it's not a lot of time and then all of a sudden it's you know on top of them uh at 9 30 this same night, so with Mr. Thomas, another wind change swung the fire towards the hay shed. That threw flaming hay bombs at us for the next hour or so, massive embers and hay landing on us. He went on to say that when you've got 20 to 30 metre trees burning and the flames are well above that, it's like a huge ball and his voice just trails off because mm. you couldn't fathom having that in your brain. 20 to 30 metres of trees and the flames are even higher than that. What are you supposed to do with a garden hose? It's just frightening. Why people say the gates of hell is because everything turned from light to dark very quickly. The sun got blocked out by the smoke. So that's the other side of it. It turns to nighttime. Mm -hmm. So it's just a, a proper nightmare. The only thing that you could see is the glow of the fire through the smoke. We were choking. We only had large tea towels, which we were wetting down constantly and wrapping around our faces so that we could breathe. Nearby, David, now I'm going to say Battage, and I am probably pronouncing that incorrectly, but David Battage was also fighting. Battage. It's (laughs) B-A-E-T-G-E. I'm going to say Battage. I'm sorry, David. Battage. 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 I'm going to say Battage. Look, I'll stick with Battage. Sorry, everyone. Now, David, he was also fighting for survival on his property near the town of Buxton, directly adjacent to a large state park. That's already scary. Armed with a comprehensive fire plan and previous firefighting experience, he'd seen the smoke but chosen to stay. Like Mr. Thomas, the decision would almost cost him his life. So 
for those as well who are listening from other countries um, or might not experience uh, wildfires or bushfires in their their particular city or nearby, particularly in in Victoria and all states of Australia, people that live in areas that are um, you know susceptible to to bushfires, they are required to have a fire safety plan. So that is essentially what are we going to do if there is a fire? So are we going to evacuate? Are we choosing to do that? If it becomes too late to evacuate, so the winds change or it becomes dark, you can't drive safely in the smoke, what are we going to do? So how, you know, how do we put everything together? So fire plans for Dom and I, if we were to talk about, you know, a fire plant, we know what we're talking about. It's super comprehensive and it's something that we're familiar with. Um, but just thought I'd sidebar that in case you were like, what's a fire plan? Um, and remember, this is 2009, so people don't have smartphones with apps and things. And when it's like 700 separate fires going on across a big state, nobody knows everything and the direction yeah. of everything all at once. So it's a bit of a kind of like a, a good example maybe to compare for those in the states is like tornado warnings and stuff like that you You're don't right. know you don't have a lot of t- you don't have as much time as you think yeah exactly now at about 6 30 that night um, mr baddage spotted a fire on top of peaks about three kilometers away with what he estimated to be 100 meter high fireballs even for a veteran bush firefighter he was shocked at the speed of the fire as it raced towards him. He said the sky was iridescent red with a deafening roar, like standing next to a 747 jet. So that's something I forget too. Fire makes noise. And that would just like the wind and the fire and the smoke. It's, it's a literal hell on earth. It's, and it's raining embers. Like oh, it's like yeah. rain fire. Yeah. It's like Dante's peak vibes. It's hectic. Now, Mr. Baddage goes on to say that it was like being inside a cocoon of smoke with a maximum visibility range of about 30 metres, and the whole of this hemisphere in every direction was glowing cherry red. He said it was like being sandblasted but with burning embers. There you go. There's a cute activity we can do this weekend, Dom. Do we want to be sandblasted with burning embers or are you going to pass on that one? I mean, I want to fight signs (laughs) of ageing and stuff like that, but... That's Maybe. one cosmetic surgery thing that I'm happy to say no to. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, all through this, you know, once stunning landscape, others face similar struggles. Karen Kernow was among them. As her house caught fire, she fled in her car with her old dog, hurtling over and around burning trees. She was guilt struck at having to leave her panicked horses behind. Oh. oh. <sighs> Now, nearby in King Lake West, local artist Michelle Bolmat was also making a mad dash to safety. The ash started to fall and the darkness came. It became completely black everywhere, she tells the BBC. A tree came down in front of her, but as the heat started to build, she revved her engine and drove over it. I looked back and I saw the fire coming. All four got through that nightmare night. But when the sun rose the next morning, it was eerily quiet. The lush landscape was gone. Our world turned from beautiful colours to black and grey, Mr Thomas recalled. There wasn't a spot on the property that wasn't burnt and it was the same across the whole area. King Lake suffered the heaviest toll with 120 perishing. In Marysville, 39 people died, 34 of them locals, and the town was effectively obliterated. Probably 22 of those 34 people were friends of ours, Mr Thomas says. Oh. Yeah. God, sorry. It's just so, oh, it's awful. After the final embers were doused, the Black Saturday fires continued to the 14th of March. The true scale of the fires was revealed. About 400 blazes had burned, most sparked by faulty power lines and lightning, but there were also cases of arson. A total of 173 people died, Australia's deadliest ever bushfire event. It left several hundreds more injured, more than 2,000 homes destroyed, and more than 7,500 people displaced. The RSPCA, which is our pet um, rescue facility here in Australia, Victoria, estimated that up to 1 million animals died. 
It was unprecedented, even for a country that was long used to bushfires. Oh. Over the years, Australia has been hit with several deadly blazes, but the Black Saturday fires of 2009 were singular in their ferocity. Now, Dom, this is interesting because it specifies here. You were saying earlier about it being like an atomic bomb going off. Mm. These fires were equal to 1,500 atomic bombs being ignited. Yeah. That's the the sheer capacity. Power. Oh, power. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. So the question in this in this article then asks, what made this event so severe? Severe. Uh, Kevin Parkin, a Bureau of Meteorology senior for- forecaster, said that it was a combination of record temperatures, unusually strong howling northwesterly winds in excess of 100 kilometres an hour, so that's 60 miles an hour. So that combined with a tinder dry landscape because there was a long-running drought and then the temperatures reaching 46.4 degrees in Melbourne. So in rural areas, that can be two to three to four degrees hotter. So we're talking nearly 50 degrees Celsius. Mr. Parkins said that that was a record for Melbourne in over 100 years. When you went outside, there was just a blast of hot air. It was like having a hairdryer to your face. Mm. That's the perfect way to describe it. Anybody that lives anywhere with temperatures like that and it, and it's a dry heat, not a humid heat, that's exactly what it is. You walk outside and every bit of moisture is just sucked from your body. It's, yeah, quite confronting. No firefighting force stood a chance, especially when the blazes hit Australia's highly flammable eucalypt forests, he says. Spot fires sprang up kilometres downwind from the main front. That's the other side. It's like these firefighters are trying so hard and then the winds will will pick up and carry embers a kilometre behind them and then all of a sudden they've got, they're surrounded by fire. It's just, I can't, these, like the heroes that put themselves in the way of this uncontrollable beast will mm. just forever, like true heroes. It's just incredible what they put that's themselves why in. It also makes it very difficult for you to know when or if it is safe to leave because you yeah. might think it's fine to leave and the fire's in that direction, but in the opposite direction to where you think you should escape to. Yeah. There could be about 20 fires about to pop up very exactly. unexpectedly because of all the embers. So you don't just flee in that direction away from the fire necessarily. Like, no, that's right. Anyway. Mr. Parkin from the Bureau also went on to say that these fires all joined together and became a massive fire area, which is what we call a pyrocumulonimbus. So cumulonimbus Ooh. in terms of clouds, but this term I'd never heard, which is a pyrocumulonimbus. So it's just a sea of fire. Um, this pyrocumulonimbus started to generate its own lightning. How horrendous is that? I can't, that it's so absolutely massive, it created its own weather event inside of itself. Yeah. That's what was going on. Um, and then, of course, more the lightning started more fires. Can you imagine that? You're like, okay, this fire is enough. Oh, cool. It's evolved into starting its own fires with its own lightning. This is swell. I'm so pleased I'm in the CFA. <laughs> what a I good career it. choice. Okay. Here okay. we go. Whatever. The <laughs> temperatures of these fires were capable and did melt metal like it was nothing. That is my story about the Black Saturday. Wait, Black Saturday? Yes, I get um myself off there with Fridays and Saturdays, but the Friday, the Black Saturday fires, which is my new worst nightmare. Forget the torture. <laughs> you can torture me. I'll hop on a Spanish donkey. I will be the thumbscrewed girl. I will absolutely do anything to ever avoid having to be anywhere near something Kate, like that. Kate will wear tight-fitting clothing around her face. Yeah. No problems. No problems. I will I will get my arms trapped in a hoodie as I take it off or a, or a dress, an evening dress. I'll stay there if it means that this never has to happen again, although I know yeah. that's not true. But, you know, it's just we, we talk about fears. This is my number one fear. This is so fires are fucked. That's all. <laughs> that's all I that's have to say That's our tip for the that. survival tip for the yeah, week. Yeah, that's my survival tip for the week. So 
Backing up from that, I want to add a pop culture reference in for you. And I'm going a little bit different this time, Dom. I've previously done movies. I've previously done a book. Today, I'm going to share with you a video game. Oh. A video game that is called Firewatch. Now, Firewatch is a single-player, first-person mystery set in the Wyoming wilderness. Now, this has like 9.5 out of 10 rating. It's very popular. Uh, A little bit of a synopsis of this game is that it's the year 1989, and you're a man named Henry who's retreated from his messy life to work as a fire lookout in the Wyoming wilderness. Wilderness, not wilderness. Hi, Henry. Welcome. Uh, perched high atop a mountain, it's your job to look for smoke and keep the wilderness safe. An especially hot, dry summer has everyone on edge. Your supervisor, Delilah, hi Delilah, is available to you at all times over a small handheld radio, your only contact with the world that you left behind. But when something strange draws you out of your lookout tower and into the forest, you'll explore a wild and unknown environment facing questions and making choices that can build or destroy the only meaningful relationship you have. <laughs> Ooh. So that is Firewatch, our pop culture reference for the week. That was my story about wildfires, specifically our Black Saturday 2009 fires here in Victoria. Dom, do you want to share your story from those fires about being in lawn? Yeah. Oh, sure. Just, they're both really, really quick actually, because um, Black Friday, I'd actually driven up the, so this is the other one, the more recent one that wasn't as devastating. Yeah. This was the 2019, 2020 um, Um, Black Friday. Yeah. Kane and I had just done a whole tour along the coast, like Southern coast and driven all the way up to like Northern New South Wales and back down to Victoria. And we were, we went through majority of those state forests. We even got out and we, you know, we'd go on adventures and stuff. And literally like a month later, the entire thing went up. That was very scary. And we've driven back through them again and just gone, well, that place is gone. That place is gone. That place is gone. It's quite unnerving to place yourself so so recently to it but in 2009 I was living in Lawn Mm -hmm. and my other partner Glenn he's from Lawn his mother lives in Lawn Ash Wednesday is another infamous uh, bushfire in Australian history but it's very um, specific to that area the Otway National Forest but I remember that day it was so hot no one could go outside and I was working at Lawn Food Works and we all knew that it was a very risky day and the Oldway National Forest had something like 12 times more shrub, like um Like the debris. density of forest? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. So, you know, normal cycle of a forest, lots of leaf litter, lots of crap Bark builds up. Stuff. Yeah. It naturally has to be burnt off. It just doesn't disappear. It's part fires are part of the natural cycle of life. Mm-hmm. But compared to Ash Wednesday, there was twelve times as much leaf litter and, and debris on the on the floors of Otway. So everyone knew that the Otways was overdue for a mega, mega, mega yeah. fire. A mega event, yeah. And I remember during that during the day everyone's listening to the radio there was no apps or anything so you you you've got like one source to to find out what's happening yeah but I I remember walking out the back and seeing just a curtain of smoke on the hills behind like up Dean's Marshway and everyone knew that if there's a fire there you better hope that the winds are not coming towards lawn because then lawn is a pocket in the middle of this state forest. You can't, you don't leave. Lawn knows that if there's a fire, you can't drive out either way along the coast because you're just going to hit into state forest. Yeah. So we were pretty much the town was preparing for, you know, absolute decimation. We were handing out bottles of water. We were just giving shit away for free, getting everyone prepared. And the plan in lawn, I don't know if this is still the case, but the plan in lawn is for everyone in the town to go to the beach yep. if there is a fire and um, 
even on the beachfront, the fire can get that hot that it can melt the sand. So you actually have to, you can't be on the beach. You have to go into the water and even duck under the water if the fire were to come right up into the town because it would be so hot. Yeah. And anyway, it was luckily nothing like that happened. We were fine. The winds didn't change. They were able to get that particular fire under control and it was all up here, King Lake Marysville way. But where we lived is on the border of the state forest and they do regular burn-offs in that space, in that area to try and protect lawn. <clears throat> That's a whole another controversial topic, mm-hmm. burning off. But I remember one night... Um, I had done like a late shift, came home, had a nap and I woke up and it was dark outside and I didn't realise they were burning off and the whole where the house that we lived on is in a gully. So we're facing down into the gully and up the other side is all just state forest. And I woke up, I'd say six or seven o'clock. Everything was pitch black. It shouldn't have been pitch black. The no. sun should have still been out, but they were doing burn-offs and there was a wall, that entire other embankment of that gully was a wall. I'm saying like a wall of fire. My windows were top to bottom, just a wall of fire. And this is a controlled burn. Yeah. But I woke up so petrified, terrified. You would have been. I'd fallen asleep. A bushfire started. I'm the only one home or whatever. What do I do? Luckily, it was all controlled. It was meant to be happening. Everything was fine. But Yeah. Um, oh, that's especially after waking up because you'd have no, oh. like when you're in that daze and you've got no concept, that would just yeah. be so terrifying. Anyway, well done, Kate. Oh, hey, thank you. Bit I, of a serious um, story. <laughs> it was a bit of a serious one. Uh, but it was, yeah, I find it fascinating. And, again, we talk about scary things. Uh, you know, we want to keep on that sort of vein so that scares me so i Agri- wanted to share agripyrophobia yeah agripyrophobia yeah <laughs> all right well superstars i tell you what we're gonna go because dom's got dinner and my mummy just texted me and said she's actually cooked me tea so i'm gonna go oh. to her house which is super far away from me um so i better <laughs> get in the car and i will <laughs> Talk to you all very soon. Um, Hey, Dom, love you. Love you, Kate. Well done. And uh, everyone, don't forget, check out our socials. Give us a follow. Sign up onto our Patreon. Send us an email. Right now, go and give us five stars. Rate us. Review us. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yes. We did it. That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.